Good day, everyone. It's a beautiful day in the Psyche community. Welcome to Psyche Podcast, where we are dedicated to improving mental health together. You are here with your podcast hosts, Dr. Zamika Simmons-Yan and Alyssa Peckham, where we will spill the tea on hot topics in psychiatry. That's right. Here on Psyche Community Podcast, you will get a quick lowdown on what's steaming in the world of mental health. We ask you to listen to the episodes, rate us, and review us. Better yet, share the Psyche Podcast with your friends, where we all can sip on the Psyche tea and maybe have a side of lemon with it. Well, I hope you're excited because today we have a lot of tea to spill. Because this week's hot topic is very deep and challenging, but motivating all at the same time. Whether you are sipping on some sweet tea, pomegranate, orange spice, or mint tea, your ears will be perked with our discussion on the impact of racism in the mental health community. Yes, we will be diving into the highlights of a recent national Psyche webinar where the speakers discuss barriers that healthcare and research professionals experience, including BIPOC and other marginalized groups. Now, during the webinar, the speakers actually summarize where we've been as a nation in respect to racism and strategies that healthcare communities are implementing to address some of these challenges. So I have actually chosen to sip on some peppermint tea today. I feel it's it fits the ambiance since it has both a sweet and spicy flavor to it and it's so good. And while I sip, here to help us spill the tea is our very own colleague, Dr. Gonzalo Gonzalez, who was a featured speaker on the webinar. Dr. Gonzalez is a nephrology clinical and scientific liaison at Otska, and he earned his doctorate in nursing practice from the University of Michigan. Now, this is a dynamic gentleman because he has diverse professional and research experience in primary care and chronic diseases. And prior to joining Otska, he worked as a clinical nurse in inpatient care, as a clinical case manager at the Detroit Health Department, and as an infectious disease nurse practitioner leader at the CDC Foundation. Now, I told you he was dynamic. So welcome, Dr. Gonzalez, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Amika and Alyssa. It's it's a real great pleasure uh, to be a guest on the Psych U podcast along with you both. Yes. Now, I couldn't do your introduction justice, so why don't you tell us a little more about yourself, your passion, and how did you come to this point of, of helping others understand and break down the effects of racism in mental health care? Yes, thank you. Great question. So my name is Dr. Gonzalo Gonzalez, and I'm a nurse practitioner by background and training. I've worked in a broad variety of different clinical practice settings, including inpatient, outpatient, and in a public health and primary care setting. I am Mexican-American by background and have a strong passion for caring for underserved patients. And what really sparked my passion for caring and advocating for underserved and marginalized patient populations stemmed from my time spent working as a nurse practitioner and clinical case manager for the Detroit Health Department. 
in these roles, I had the unique privilege of providing healthcare services to predominantly low-income, underserved, Black, and Latinx Hispanic patients. I had the opportunity to visit patients in their home environments, providing them care, and really getting to do a deep dive into trying to fully understand their social determinants of health. And what I always most enjoyed about working with these unique patient populations was to learn about their individual stories and tailor my plan of care to their specific needs. Now, what I quickly learned from being involved in this work was that a disproportionate number of my patients were battling mental health issues stemming from various life stressors. For example, poverty, mass incarceration, violence, racism, food security, et cetera. And I also was able to learn that there was a great deal of mistrust in our medical institutions amongst these patients. Patients would often share with me their stories of being discriminated against and stereotyped when they sought healthcare and how there were not enough healthcare providers who quote unquote looked like them and came from the same neighborhoods that they grew up in. That is such a powerful statement. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing your experience. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about, you know, your experience at the Detroit Health Department. It, it seems really unique, especially being able to go in home and see patients have a more intimate understanding of their social determinants of health. I know I kind of reflect back to when I was in practice, I never got to go into anyone's home. So I really just relied on what they were telling me in the office. But at the same time, maybe I don't look like them. Maybe they don't trust, you know, what I'm going to do with that information. So I think that that was such a unique experience. And, you know, social determinants of health is something that the medical community is really starting to pay a lot more attention to. So it, it's great to hear that you were able to learn about things like food insecurity and mistrust of healthcare providers, because how can we provide adequate healthcare when, you know, those are significant barriers that are standing in the way. And so, you know, it kind of gets me thinking, you know, in honor of BIPOC Mental Health Month, you know, Dr. Gonzalez, you recently conducted a webinar with the esteemed Dr. Napoleon Higgins, which was excellent, by the way. And here you two discuss the impact of racism on both patients and providers. So can you just, you know, here on the podcast, highlight for us a few key take-home points from that webinar that maybe you two discussed, you know, around perhaps barriers or challenges that healthcare professionals experience in uh, mental health, as you were talking about, and then, you know, how that relates to patients and, and ultimately their outcomes. Thanks, Alyssa. Yes, I'm happy to share. And um, I think first and foremost, uh, this is a very complicated issue, and there are certainly many contributing factors that come into play and that we discuss in the webinar that have all collectively had a negative and lasting effect on both BIPOC patients and providers alike. So we first start the discussion in the webinar by providing an overview of several past historical inequalities and traumas that BIPOC peoples have suffered and continue to suffer from, including slavery, the perpetuation of the false teaching of racial inferiority, Jim Crow segregation, mass incarceration, housing discrimination, and to the present with the COVID-19 pandemic that has also really exposed the already existent 
health disparities. Collectively, these historical struggles and stressors have contributed to tremendous healthcare disparities and lasting intergenerational traumas amongst BIPOC patients and providers. We also highlight in the webinar how these historical issues have created a lack of trust of the medical system at large by many of our BIPOC patients. We also touch on that to this day, professional healthcare schools, you know, such as our medical and nursing educational programs, are still lagging behind in their recruitment of diverse students, faculty, and researchers. And BIPOC providers can oftentimes feel outnumbered and poorly supported in their training and education. And they may feel a sense of quote unquote imposter syndrome and that they don't belong. And lastly, we additionally highlight how various medical organizations such as the American Medical Association and the American Psychological Association and as well as the American Psychiatric Association, to name a few, largely excluded and perpetuated racism and a lack of inclusivity in their teachings. And only recently have these same professional medical and nursing organizations recently come out with a series of apology statements admitting their responsibility in perpetuating racism. You know, having seen this amazing webinar myself, I would have to agree with Alyssa. It was just phenomenal. It was excellent. And and we do encourage everyone to go to psyq.org and check it out because I was impressed, Dr. Gonzalez. I was really, really impressed on how you and Dr. Higgins and Dr. Wong organized the flow of the webinar. And it really elucidated, you know, where we've been in the past, you know, where we are presently. And like you said, where we are um, with heading in, in the direction of healing and inclusiveness in healthcare. So just to follow up a little bit on this, can you discuss a uh, you know, any highlights where we are with respect to clinical trials and research? You know, are these organizations stepping up in, in that sector? Are they stepping up to the plate with strategies to address the need for diversity in research and to have more BIPOC researchers and patients? What's been done? Thank you, Amika. This is, um, you know, certainly a very hot topic and uh, clinical trial diversity has been just such a rapidly evolving and growing topic. Um, so traditionally, our clinical trial representation, sadly, amongst both BIPOC patients and researchers has been lagging behind. And in the webinar, we discuss how BIPOC populations will no longer be the minorities in the future. And in fact, the United States Census Bureau projects that the U.S. population will become a minority white population around the year 2050. The percentage of uh, white Caucasian race as far as the total United States population has been in a state of decline since the 1950s with a contrasting increase in minority populations that are especially driven by increases in Latin Americans, and Asian and Pacific Islanders. Now, in order to 
adapt to these changes in our societal demographics, organizations have recognized that they need a paradigm shift in how clinical trials are conducted. Now, we provide a few examples of highly influential organizations such as the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, uh, the National Institute of Health, NIH, Pharma, uh, clinical and scientific journal publications, and other clinical agencies that have made commitments to promote diversity and inclusion in clinical trials. Some of the examples of strategies include the close monitoring of race and ethnicity data, making the enrollment process easier for patients and providers, and purposeful efforts to design trials in a manner that promotes inclusivity. We also highlight how the FDA recently published their diversity plans to improve enrollment of participants from underrepresented racial and ethnic populations in clinical trials guidance for industry. And this document was just released this past April uh, 2022. So clearly this is a rapidly evolving space. That's that's so interesting. And I heard you say, uh, which I actually hadn't heard before, so this is a great information for me. I heard you say that, you know, the, the people that we consider to be minorities in present day will actually be the dominant population in the U.S. come 2050. And so as I was kind of reflecting on that, it had me thinking. Over the last couple of years, I've seen, you know, I think we've all seen probably quite a few, you know, racism related apology statements that, you know, are either read or posted or, or whatnot from different medical or nursing or other clinical healthcare organizations. And I guess when I think about it, we can kind of view this as, you know, a, a step or a start, a step forward in the right direction for the healthcare community. But, you know, I was kind of thinking, where do we actually go from here beyond apologies? And so, you know, in other words, kind of what work do you think still needs to be done in terms of actually addressing racism in medicine by the different healthcare and research organizations, you know, particularly as we have this ever-growing BIPOC population, which will soon become the bulk of patients that we care for. So what do we actually need to do moving forward? Great question, Alyssa. Thanks for asking. Um, I agree. You know, the apology statements were certainly both long overdue and a necessary first step in working towards righting the wrongs of the past. In the webinar, Dr. Higgins, Dr. Wong, and I discussed some of the large-scale efforts across healthcare institutions and organizations to create task forces and coalitions to combat racism, discrimination, and hate. Now, these organizations also promote inclusivity, representation, and accountability in terms of ensuring that BIPOC patients and healthcare providers' unique needs are being addressed. Additionally, in the webinar, we specifically provide a case study of how the Joint Commission is addressing racism in healthcare with their broad four-step approach that could potentially be used as a model for other healthcare organizations to similarly adopt. Additionally, we also discuss how there is still a great deal of work to be done as far as the recruitment and retention of BIPOC healthcare providers and educators, as well as having BIPOC professionals in positions of leadership and power 
are able to influence healthcare policy and who, and who can enact meaningful and long-term change with the goal of continuing to close the racial healthcare gap. I think it's critical that there are BIPOC healthcare professionals who are in these upper echelons of leadership positions to ensure that diverse voices and needs are heard as well as addressed. You know, that's, that's, I'm so glad that Alyssa asked that question. So thank you, Alyssa. It's like, where do we go from here after the apology? So Dr. Gonzalez, I want you to stop because you're going to give the whole webinar away. We want everyone to watch it. But I know our listeners are probably saying, well, I want to learn more. I want to dive deeper in this, um, especially when we're talking about the impact of trauma and, and racism on both the health and mental wellness of our patients and, and providers. So where would you, where would you point our listeners to? Great question, Amika. I would encourage our listeners to definitely explore and check out uh, the resources on PsychU, uh, specifically the diversity, equity, inclusion resource page, where there's an abundance of resources on various DE and I related topics. There are additional webinars, podcasts, infographics, and articles that are archived for viewing. And additionally, a shameless plug, I encourage our listeners to tune into the full version of our webinar discussion along with Dr. Higgins and Dr. Wong on the effects of racism on the mental healthcare community, how marginalized patients and providers are impacted. But also uh, check out some of the other related topics such as the impact and trauma of racism, lifespan impact of racism-related stress, and intergenerational effect of racism, to name a few. Additionally, and very importantly, I would encourage our listeners to also explore further in terms of what their own organizations and institutions are doing to proactively combat racism in healthcare and to consider getting involved. Dr. Gonzalez, thank you for that challenge. We all can do that. What would you, what would you say, Alyssa? <laughs> I think yes, we can all no, do it. Right, I, I think so. It seems, you know, it seems simple enough and we all have to put in the effort or else nothing's gonna change. So thank you so, so much. I think this was really awesome and, you know, informative for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Thank you. I would have to agree. We can't express our thankfulness enough with you bringing this important topic to the forefront because we know that racism is not just confined to the patients alone, but also it impacts our mental health professionals and researchers. So Alyssa and I thank you so much. The PsyQ podcast community thanks you. Thank you so very much, Amika and Alyssa, for letting me highlight this webinar and um, discussing this important topic. Thank you very much. All right, so there you have it. You've heard it for yourself right here on PsychU Community Podcast. But the beauty is, is that you don't have to stop here. So definitely head over and check out the show notes for the links to find more resources about today's discussion on psychu.org. And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to hear more hot topics right here on the PsychU Community Podcast, please rate and review us and then subscribe so you can always get the new episode right when it drops and for the social media lovers out there check out our other social media platforms like facebook instagram twitter and youtube 
So until next time, thank you for listening, everyone, and we hope you have a great day.